impact on purpose. Change your home and your dome by following in Jesus' footsteps. I'm your host, VJ Tunkel. Let's get started. Is up. We're back with Impact on Purpose, and I have a really, really special guest today. I have Emily Lewis here from the Abundant Grace podcast. Emily, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, BJ. It's awesome to have you here. I'm, I'm really excited, and we're just going to jump right in because that's how I do it. So, Emily, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Absolutely. I'd love to. So, I grew up in church. I grew up in a Christian home but I did not have a personal relationship with God. I believe that I got saved uh, as a teenager because I accepted his atonement. I knew my need. I knew that I was a sinner, that I, I couldn't get to heaven on my own, but relating to God was more like relating to someone I was working for rather than a loving father. So, like, so it reinforced God being a taskmaster rather than someone to love and fall in love with. When I was, well, I guess just a couple of years ago, the pastor that I was under, he was not healthy at all. And he was exposed for who he was. A lot of stuff that makes you go, oh, now I see it. And then a lot of stuff that totally blindsided us, but it created opportunity for me to start asking questions and was kind of a faith crisis. In that asking questions, I was finally able to wrestle with, why do I believe this? I know I, I know I've been handed a lot of truth, but is it mine? I think I've adopted it all because I, I was not a rebel. I was one of those people that towed the line. I, I kept those standards as you know, best I could. I was pretty proud of it. I was a Pharisee and a legalist and proud of it. I was afraid of truth. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's the best way I can describe it. I was afraid of asking questions in case what I believed would fall apart. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. So yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Been there too. Yeah. So beginning to ask questions like from really deep theological things to little things, because uh, it impacted like all of all of our life. Um, especially in that culture that I was raised in. So beginning into that questioning things, God so kindly brought me resources to ground me in the gospel. I remember the first time that I heard, uh, I was just listening to a podcast interview by two authors and the ones they, they were wrapping up the interview and said, so what's next on your, your horizon? And the one said, well, I just can't get enough of the gospel. Every time I think I'm moving past the gospel, uh, God pulls me back into learning about the gospel. And my, my thought was, wow, that's kind of shallow. Like, wow, you don't have any other doctrine. Like you don't. Okay. Well, I, I benefited from it, but she has a lot to learn, but it was the first time that God just allowed that to cross my path. And now that is, that's everything to me. Now I understand that the gospel is for salvation and sanctification. And the gospel is everything and grace is everything. Um, but he brought in 
into my life resources that helped me really understand grace like I hadn't before. And I was able to fall in love with him because I, I tried really hard to love him, but I, then it was natural outpouring of, out of what he had done for me then. Yeah. That's amazing. Yep. I have a friend who always checks me when I start um, leaving the the core of who Jesus is to talk about things mm-hmm. that are less important. He's like, nope, doesn't matter. It's not following Jesus is what matters. Everything else, we'll, we'll figure it out later. Go back to following Jesus. I won't do his accent because that would not. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He always. He... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's mm-hmm, awesome. Mm-hmm. So what, what resources did God, you know, send your way that you found helpful? Mm-hmm. I came across the Risen Motherhood podcast and they have a book called Risen Motherhood and it's gospel-centered motherhood. Uh, the one that was the most pivotal was Pastor Carrie Schmidt's book, Real Christianity. It just, it began to challenge how I was approaching grace. Like, uh, I think he describes grace as, or how we often approach grace as we think we get to the top of the wall and are like, okay, now we need a little boost over and God will help us get the rest of the way. When in actuality, it's God that does the whole thing. And I need him for absolutely everything. Like I was saying about the gospel, we have to depend on him for everything in our life. If we can't save ourselves, what makes us think we'll be good enough to somehow maintain God's favor, you know? So yeah, yeah. that was the first one. Yeah, that seems pretty cool. I, I feel like we're in uh, we're on parallel tracks because the first book that really um, kicked my butt in in the area of of grace versus legalism was called um, the Christian Atheist. And okay. Basically, is you can you get by the by the title what the concept is is that people are living mm. um, the structure of what it might look like to follow God without any of the depth or relationship. Or I mean, literally anything. It's just hollow when you live in legalism, and and yeah, that that kicked my butt because you know I was I was saved in in high school, um, but before that I was not a believer at all. wasn't really raised in church. I was really you know I was in a liturgical church that was just kind of cultural. Um, but once I was saved, I, I applied what I knew and what I was raised to do, which was ex- achieve things and and make sure mm-hmm. I was good at everything. And and uh, that book kicked my butt, and then it kicked my butt so far the other way that I just, then I started getting sloppy and it was like, Oh, well I can do whatever I want now. And, uh, and then you, of course, you know, Paul kicks you back the other way. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I call myself, you said achieving, I call myself a recovering achiever mm. trying to work for God's acceptance and trying to work for everything you have to like overcome that. And it's, it's a daily thing. Um, and I think you've touched on this in your podcast and your sermons too, like being still like learning to rest in God's presence. Yeah. Cause we're the rest of the world works. Like we're trying to achieve stuff and we have to work for, uh, our paycheck and we have to work to move up. And oftentimes even our relationship can fall from unconditional. So it's something that we always have to be, I don't know. It's, it's weird to say we have to work at not being in a good <laughs> at working, but yeah. 
I think that's, that's what where it is. We have to learn to rest. Comes in, right? I mean, it's it's a spiritual discipline, but it's not a, a spiritual checklist. And it's a weird. It is. A, it's a tad tension. Uh, my my pastor talks all the time about holding. Like theology is so much about holding things in tension. Uh, things that seem to disagree, but when we hold them together, uh, they kind of bring us to the right place. So yeah, silence and solitude as a spiritual discipline. It's like, well, I had my fifteen minutes of silence and solitude today. Like, no, just. Just have silence and solitude. Don't track it. Don't uh, prioritize it, but it's not a checklist. You shouldn't tell anyone about it. You shouldn't compare yours to anyone else. You should just do it because you're, that helps you pursue a relationship with Jesus. That helps you build your relationship with Jesus because relationships require that time and commitment. It's just what relationships look like. But right. yeah, saying I think the achievement is kind of the priority of culture. I mean, what people ask each other when they meet each other is what do you do? So mm-hmm. that's, that's the first exactly. question. What have you achieved in your life? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what Jesus followers or Jesus does when he meets people. He says, follow me, period. Mm-hmm. End of story. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think, um, have you, have you read that book that I, that was the basis of that sermon, by the way? No, it's called, I, ha- I don't think so. It's called the ruthless elimination of hurry. Okay, I've I've listened to some of his podcasts and things, but yeah, they, him I and actually haven't read the book. Podcast together about their two books, which were basically identical and written at the same time, right. published at the same time. Have you listened to that podcast? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You've, you've got the gist. That really, I I'd rather listen to those again than read the book again because they hit such, the most important parts so hard. Um, mm. Yeah. It that changed, yeah. that changed my year. That definitely changed my year. Mm-hmm. being able to just I mean it, it was so graceful to I got that before I finished that before my daughter was born and before COVID hit and I was able to like God prepared my body and my heart and my mind for this whole te- like crazy period where we were forced to slow down I was already slow before that like I had two months of grace to slow down before we were all forced to shut everything down and, and our lives just totally came to a halt which is mm-hmm. just, such a blessing to have gotten the lead time on that. Right. <sighs> the timing, what God did just in 2019, there was a handful of books about slowing down and rhythms and yeah, there was uh, just had one preparing. Too. Yes. Yeah. It's incredible. Absolutely. Yep. So I, the tagline, actually, it's not the tagline of your podcast, but it's something that you sent in your, one of your first messages to me was um, that how we view God shapes our relationship with him. So do you want to talk about why that's your focus or mm-hmm. I don't know why that's the, the most important thing? Sure, sure. Thank you. Uh, so when we view God, how we view God impacts uh, how we have a relationship with him. So for example, if we think he's harsh and distant or controlling and always critiquing us and always going to get us, when we're, when we don't line up with however we think we're supposed to be living, our relationship with him is going to be strained because who really wants to be close to him? And if we have that imbalanced view, our relationship is going to reflect it. So what is so transforming is when we begin to grasp, and I don't know if we can fully grasp how God's holiness and God's mercy, God somehow can embody all of those at the same time. When we get a grasp on that, his, our relationship with him can be well-rounded and balanced. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I, I've got I've gotten told so many times when I bring up stuff like that that it's semantics. Um, I, I think I even mm. had a podcast, a short podcast on it last last year, and I don't understand. I mean, in some some ways, I I see where people are coming from, but in other ways, I'm I'm coming from the same place where it's like, no, if a one word difference between how you view God or you, between your own dad and how you how you view a stranger or how you view a harsher person can make a world of difference in that relationship. Um, so yeah, it's not semantic. Mm -hmm. The words we use are containers for meaning. They're extremely important. And so if we, I don't know. It's a, it could be as simple as if we only refer to God as Lord and we don't think about him or relate mm. to father and savior and friend and lover, and we're, we're missing so much of the relationship. Um, and that's, that's an easy example. I'm, there, there's, I mean, even more examples, but that, that was probably the, the easiest. Mm -hmm. there's, right. one, there's, there's a fullness of relationship and we can't hollow it out to one aspect, even if it's the holiest feeling of all the aspects. Right. I've even heard, and it, it broke my heart. I just heard somebody say, well, should, should we even be talking about God as our friend? Cause he's so holy. And isn't that downplaying who he is? It's no, because he can exist in, in both. We can be his friend. And that's the mystery of salvation, right? That Jesus came and wants relationship with us, even though he is so holy and we aren't like, that's, that's, what's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I think that the beauty of that situation or what I'd say to that person is that Jesus has made us holy so, so that he can have a deep relationship with us. Like he, he said, yes, you are unholy. Believe in me. And now you're, now you're not anymore. Exactly. Now we can have a relationship. There's mm -hmm. no, nothing standing in between us. There's no sin. There's no unholiness standing between you and me when we are relating under the covering of my salvation. And so right. that's beautiful. Like that's, yeah, I think that's what, I don't know. It's the core of the gospel, but it some it feels like in general we go one level shallower than that, and we're satisfied with one level shallower mm. than that. I don't know how right. how else to metaphor metaphoricalize it. That's not a word. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's like, and I don't, I think it makes people uncomfortable when I give this example, but the gospel is so full and we, we can water it down and forget that Jesus is completely sufficient because he's sufficient for my inadequacies for salvation, as well as for all of my life. So it's not, it's not that now I'm trying to live up to something or like I can avoid parts of who God is. No, he He's completely sufficient and full. And because Jesus's atonement was completely sufficient, I can have relationship with a holy, pure God. I think that's the perfect word is sufficient. Oh my gosh, there's like 7,000 children biking past my house. Um, I think sufficient is the perfect word. I, I haven't even thought of the, really the meaning behind that word and what it, what it really kind of matches up with. But yeah, that's it. I mean, it's not... Hey, congratulations. You made it to being a believer. Now these are the list of things you have to go do to make God happy. Um, it, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's so bizarre that that's like the perception, even maybe even not within the church as much anymore, but definitely without out, outside of the church, that's the perception is 
all right, you you decided to become a believer. Now this is how you must live. Um, or this mm. is these are the things, this is how you have to look. I think that's a better way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, there is a how we must live. It's it's love others. <laughs> love, love Jesus, love others, follow what, what he did. That is how we have to live. But uh, it looks different for every single believer that's ever existed uh, in relationship with Jesus. Right. And I think we're denying the, like the ministry of the Holy spirit when we say that it needs to look a certain way because legalism can leave us believing that this is the one way all of our lives should operate. And that's just not how God wants to deal with us and work with us. Yep. And not to dive too much into theology and denominations, but typically the most legalistic places that I've been are the places that don't have a need for the Holy spirit and write him out of uh, out, out of out of human history as an exception in the Bible um, for working at that one time. And then that's kind of it. Like he he's here, but that's I don't know. I don't know what the role is if he'll <laughs> do things. Right. I would completely uh, agree with that assessment, though. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, not even like, let's just leave miracles aside. But I, I, I love miracles. But even simpler is God wants to talk to us and he does it through the Holy Spirit. And he does it through speak. The Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. Just those three things, those three facts could change your life, could change any believer's life. Yep. If they could just get through those things, like ingrained in their, in their core and their belief, that would change any believer's life. Because it would be God all of a sudden as someone who wants to actually talk to them instead of a guy they read in a book once. I don't know. I don't know. I used to really, I honestly used to believe that God would only speak to me through his word or that he would quote me a verse. I did not believe that he could speak to me. And I don't know at what level I believe that, but I just, I never heard his voice in my life. I think that's super common. And that's, that's part of my passion. And and, uh, that's why I love people like John Eldridge so much is because he's, he he wrote a whole book just to train people to basically basically shut up and listen to god um and it it, Mm -hmm. like hey it's not hard it's like a person just stop talking for a little bit and and then pay attention um yeah it's so available to believers it's so available and um the thing is it's not as easy as watching tv (laughs) that like it's it's not as convenient because relationship is not convenient uh all the time Mm -hmm. but it's so much more rewarding than anything else we could have. Um, there's no right. piece of entertainment that that can deliver even like a slice of the of the the fulfillment that a relationship with God can have can give us. It's because mm-hmm. we were only designed for that. Like we we're designed to be fulfilled by one thing, and everything else is just it's it's not enough. It's not even close to enough. Right. Been thinking a lot about rest. And it's my jam. how we numb out when we're on social media or something. And I, tr- I try to have purpose when I log in and then you get distracted. And some, just yesterday I was watching someone's stories on Instagram and they posted a few stories of the ocean and said, just breathe with me, enjoy this moment. And it takes work to get from a place of numbing out to actually enjoying rest. Oh yeah. And, and it's the same thing with engaging God. We can numb out actually really easily and stop focusing, but 
engaging in that rest, engaging in that listening takes, takes that practice and actually turning our mind back on. Yeah. Here, I mean, here's why rest is a spiritual discipline and not something we fall into. You just said it, but it, it, it is extremely difficult in our context, but it has been difficult for all of time. It's just, it's just more difficult now because of what we have, have available to us. And at the same time, it is more rewarding now because of how everybody else around us is living. Sometimes I feel like I'm that, like, I don't know, that I'm sure we've all seen this photo of a guy in focus in the frame and everybody else blurred out. I, I feel like that person so often because, because of the sacrifices that I've made to be intentional about rest. I, I mean, we, we rest on, like, we have a Sabbath day every week where we, our phones are off, our, our TV is off. We don't have any connection besides the people that we see in person. And it's beautiful. Uh, I don't watch the news. I don't, I'm not on social media and that obviously I can't believe I'm a content creator, which I've never called myself before, but I, that's not on social media. I, I, I don't know why I I'm doing it, but that's just what I'm called to do. Um, it, it's bizarre, but, and yet I don't care what the cost is. It, it's not worth for me any benefit that any person can tell me that the news has or that social media has or that TV in general has, although I do watch some, um, versus what I'm able to or what I get to experience sometimes when I'm resting and I just all of a sudden run into God and it's like, oh, I was being quiet and all of a sudden God like had something to tell me. And if I wasn't being quiet, I wouldn't have heard it. Mm, yeah. Okay, let's do more of this. Mm, yes. Yeah. Cause I think, uh, we, we talk about relationship with God and sometimes it feels so complicated, but like you said, John Eldridge just simplifies it and says, just be quiet, yeah. <laughs> just get alone, get quiet and be available. Yes. If we make ourselves, if we make ourselves available, uh, I think that relationship is so much more likely to grow. Yep. It's the same as any relationship that like the principles are exactly the same. If, if I want to ruin my relationship with my spouse, then I will not be available. I will rush her through things, what she wants to do. And I will continue to talk no matter what she's doing. And if she doesn't listen, it doesn't matter because I'm focused on what I'm saying. That's not a relationship. That's, a, that's the quick way to cut off a relationship. So to have a relationship with a person or with God, just do the opposite of what you do to destroy a relationship with a human. It's... Uh, we can all do it. And that's, and that's my challenge to all my listeners and all your listeners is, is, is that is just be available to relationship, follow Jesus because Jesus had a relationship with God and he, he showed us what it looked like. That's, mm. that's what I have to bring myself back to every day is follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Do you want to plug your podcast, your channels, all that good stuff? Sure. I'd love to. So the abundant grace podcast is for equipping and encouraging Christians in their walk with God. Uh, like we've talked about, you need a balanced view of who God is. So I try to bring uh, just some of that to the podcast, as well as just getting us back to grace and the gospel. I also have a course on uh, your relationship with each member of the Trinity, just taking the most common misconceptions with the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. And it was exactly like you said, with the Holy spirit, just being, uh, quiet and available, knowing that he's always with us and listening, but there's that for each one of them that's available, uh, for people to purchase 
because this is why I'm here. And this is what I love talking about. That is awesome. That is so cool. I'm going to definitely look into that, those courses. That's really cool. Um, all right, Emily, if you have any last words, I think this is your chance and, uh, nope, nothing. I don't know. Uh, just God, just remember that God is a loving father and he wants, he wants relationship for you or with you. And he has made so much intimate relationship available for you. Yep. I, I actually could not have said that better. I was going to say basically the same thing as my closing and I'm going to leave that as the closing. Um, Sounds great. All right, guys. See you later. Have a good one.